we're going to um, continue our teaching series, uh, Suffering, Suffer to Reign. Suffer to Reign. Nobody wants to suffer, amen? But we all want to reign. Paul came to the Corinthians church and he said to them, he said, I wish y'all were kings. He said, I wish you were reigning. They had forgot all about Paul. They thought they were reigning. And he said, hey, if y'all reigning, then why we're doing all the suffering? We got to suffer to reign. How many know you got to go through something in life? Don't y'all start off? Don't start with me at all. Don't start with me today. I need some energy. Watch this. Who likes sherbet? All y'all like sherbet? Life ain't sherbet. Amen. You're going to go through some stuff. So we, our teaching series is Suffering to Reign. The title of today's teaching is Necessary Suffering. Last week we did Growing Pains. We did Growing Pains last week. This week we're going to talk about necessary suffering. Our title scripture is coming from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. And it reads, it says, if, 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 meaning you got a decision, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Say with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. So we have a choice. We can suffer with him and reign with him, or we can deny him and he deny us. Now, the thing about it is the Bible says that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So to deny him is to deny my inheritance. To deny him is to deny the life that is in Christ. The Bible says that what does it profit a man to gain a whole world and do what? Now, that word soul is really speaking of to lose your life. And when he's talking about your life, he's talking about the life that he predestined you to have. So the world has a whole lot of things to offer us. Am I right? The world has a lot of things to offer us. And he said, what does it profit? Meaning after you make the decision, after the transaction has happened, what do you have left? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world approval? Influence. That's a big one now, ain't it? Everybody influences. What does it profit a man? After it's all said and done and, and, they, they, and they, they've given you the hand claps and you got a million likes on your page, what do you have left? It's not worth me getting the applause from the world and losing a destiny that was predestined. Now, he predestined this thing for us, Q. Predestined. Meaning that before I arrived, the destiny was already waiting on me. I just had to align myself with him. If we suffer, we will also reign. Now, suffer, it don't mean to be broke. Okay, it don't mean to be sick. We're not talking about poverty. Okay, we're not talking about bad relationships. We're not talking about that type of religious suffering. Well, when we came up, if you had money, you were the devil. And they would use that same scripture uh, of the rich young ruler to give all your money and then, no, that's not how it works. Everybody in the Old Testament that followed the Father was rich. Oh, that was pitiful. Everybody in the Old Testament who followed God was rich. Okay, now the thing I want you to see is they were slaves. They were not his children. They were not attached to the promise. They were not joint heirs with Christ. They had no seat at the table. They couldn't have the name. They couldn't get the DNA. But yet and still, they were rich and they, were, and they prospered just because they followed through thick and thin, no matter what happened. When we talked about growing pains last week, I told you guys, when, 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 when Paul was preaching, and he got stoned. They took him to the outskirts of the city and stoned him, Q. 
And he got back up and went back in the city and started preaching. And surely you would think after being stoned, he deserved a day off. Surely you would think that, right? They would excuse him or he would say, you know what? I can't do it today. Give me like three, four weeks and then I'll be back. Now that's reasonable, ain't it? He got right back up, went into the city, started preaching. Peter and them get put in jail. Because we say we believe the Bible, right? We got Bible heads and voice. Y'all Bible heads got voices? We say we believe the Bible, right? Peter, in jail, brother head get cut off. He gets out of jail and goes right back into the town. I preach. Surely, he should be excused from his calling. Am I right? You would think so, right? No. I'm going to tell you why. Because suffering is necessary. All right? The Father does not have this force field around us to say, you can't touch him. You can't touch her. No. He breaks those gates to check your maturity. He needs to know. When, when, if I, I love when, when they did Make Another Band with Puffy. And he had to, you know, y'all remember. Oh, am I? The, oh, Okay. And he told them, he said, I want y'all to walk to Junior's to get me a piece of cheesecake. Don't Uber, don't catch no taxi. I want y'all to walk, get me this cheesecake, and come back. Now, that seems harsh. It seems uncalled for. But he said, I need to know, are you going to quit before I put millions of dollars in you? If that task is too big, then what I got on the other side of that tax, you can't have it. I'm not going to invest, and this is the same way the Father, I'm not going to invest all of my resources in you, because y'all know us, we love to say, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches, and yeah, you're right, but in Christ Jesus. So we're going to reign, but, but it's going to be some suffering. He told Abraham, leave your whole family <laughs> and go. Where? Just go. Get in your car and go. I'll tell you when to stop. Can we take that assignment on? What about my boss? What about my job? <laughs> what about my house? He can supply that, can't he? That's nothing. He, he, he snapped his fingers and the earth appeared. Don't worry about no money. When Jesus sent the disciples on the ministry, he said, don't take nothing. I want to show you that as I send you and you go, provision will be there. Provision will be there. So, so today we're going to talk about necessary suffering. Because to suffer, it means to, to reign. I mean, to remain, to abide, not to recede or flee, to persevere under misfortunes, under trials, to hold fast to one's faith in Christ. It means to endure, to bear bravely, I like this part right here, calmly. Calmly. Everybody don't need to know what you're going through. But that's a maturity thing. As we grow, that's how it happens. That's why you seen Jesus at the age of 12, talking about he about his father's business. <laughs> what was he doing? Come on, talk to me. He was in a temple, sitting, listening, asking questions. He was learning so that when his ministry came, in which it didn't come to 18 years later, he would be ready. He gets baptized by John, Holy Spirit come upon him. The father said, this is my son who I am well pleased. Your first assignment though, son, I'm sending you to the wilderness. So you called, you anointed, the Holy Spirit come upon you. Everybody see it, but you spend the next 40 days in wilderness. Do I have one? Do I have one? Do I have a volunteer for that life? Oh. Whether you volunteer or not, it's happening. 
It's going to happen. That's what I'm here to tell you today. It's necessary. Because he want to know, before I give you everything you know I promise you, all them beautiful prophetic words. <laughs> we love the prophetic words, don't we? We love the prophetic word. I love them too. The church is going to grow. It's going to be, but in the meantime, this going to happen, this going to happen, this going to happen. Now, it don't do away with the prophecy. The prophecy is still going to happen, but before the prophecy happens, during the prophecy, while the prophecy is going, there's some stuff that's transpiring in your life, and it makes you want to quit. It makes you want to quit. It makes you want to stop. When I started this, when we started this church, every pastor I talked to, the first thing they tell me is they just don't quit. Just don't quit. Just keep going. Your destiny, you don't want to quit. Especially when you, uh, let me get in here. Let me get in here. Y'all ready? He said, you already started. We have to suffer in order to reign. Now, the word reign means we are going to reign together, meaning we are going to possess supreme honor, supreme liberty, and supreme blessedness in one kingdom. All right? So he wants us to suffer with him, but on the other side of suffering is reigning. When the Bible tells you to trust in the Lord with all your heart, you see these... <laughs> Trust in him. On the other side of trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's hard, ain't it? That's hard. The hardest thing it is for us is to lose our mind to get the mind of Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. So you come to him and you say, Father, direct my path. Lead me, guide me. He said, well, you're going to have to trust me. With all your heart, you're going to have to not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, you're going to acknowledge me. That's the only way I can do it. There's no trust me, and I say I trust you, and then you release the blessings. No, there's going to be some trials, there's going to be some tribulations, and it is in those things that you have to literally give him your heart. Because somebody's going to break it. Somebody's going to hurt it. Somebody's going to damage it. That's why the Bible tells us that our heart is evil and wicked. Who knows it but him? Our heart by nature, by default, is selfish. Our hearts by, by, by default is trained to think about ourselves. Am I right? By default. You're trained to look out for you. I'm going to look out for me. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm self-made. You hear it all the time. Not on this side. Our first scripture, we're going to be coming from Luke chapter 9, verse 21 for my note takers, 21 through 24. And it reads... Well, let me give you the backstory to this first. The, Jesus came to the disciples and he said, who do men say I am? He said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. He said, but who do you say I am? That's always important. You got what people, who people say he is, but then it don't matter what people say he is. Who do you say he is? Peter said, you are Christ. You are Christ. You are the son of the living God. He said, Simon, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, meaning I didn't even tell you that. He said, you got that right from heaven. So after he reveals himself, verse 21, he says, but he strictly warned and instructed them to, to tell this to no one. He didn't want anyone to know of the revelation that he was literally God's son. They seen Jesus. They seen the body, but they didn't see what was in the body. That's why he said flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This was revealed to you from heaven. That's what revelation is. Revelation is when the, the curtains of heaven are pulled back and you can see into eternity. He looked at Jesus' body and, and he removed the body and seen the spiritual son sitting in there. 
And he told them, he said, but he strictly warned and instructed them, don't tell anyone. Verse 22, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, be killed, be raised the third day. So Jesus said, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things. And in this suffering, he said, I'm going to be rejected. Anybody been rejected before? Huh. <laughs> he says, I'm going to be rejected. But he wasn't just rejected by people. He was rejected by the elders, people who were older than him, people who, were, who knew more than him. They asked Jesus, how does he know all of these things, and he's not even 50. The Pharisees wanted to know, how does he know all these things? And he ain't been to the schools we've been to. He ain't been in the classrooms. He ain't got the mentors we have. How does he know all these things? It's a call. So he was rejected, not just by the elders, but he was rejected by the chief priest, government. He was rejected by the scribes, the lawmakers and lawgivers. Then he said he would be killed. Now, it's crazy that he's cool with this. He's telling this to them. It ain't like somebody's telling him that. This ain't a, this ain't a prophecy. This is something that he has settled within himself. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to be raised in three days. What if I came to you and told you that? What if that was the prophecy? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Nobody want that. You're going to suffer, you're going to be rejected, and you're going to be killed. But you're going to get up in three days. <laughs> huh. Verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It's a hard word. We're going to eat it. It ain't sherbet. It ain't peach cobbler. Thanksgiving over. <laughs> He said to them, if anyone wants to follow me. Now, he making you do nothing. You here because you want to be here. Amen? You gave your life. Did anybody make you do it? Did anybody threaten you? You know, they ask you that when you uh, go to court. They ask you that when you say uh, uh, you're guilty. They say, did anybody coerce you into this? Did anybody threaten you? Did anybody make you do this? No. So this is of your own will. Yes. So all y'all here on your own will? Amen. He says, if anyone wants to follow after me, he said, the first thing you have to do is deny yourself. He said, let him deny himself. Now that's hard, right? Nobody wants to deny himself, meaning I want this but I tell myself I can't have it because of somebody else's mission. It's hard for us to deny our, it's easy to deny others, but it's hard for us to deny ourselves. Who want to go on a three-day fast? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to deny ourselves. That's where we get the word lust from. Lust is when you want something the Father said you can't have. But your appetite is burning for it. You got to have it. That's lust. It ain't just sexual. <laughs> it's conversations. It's positions. It's money. Deny yourself. To deny yourself means to disregard one's own interests. It means to disregard one's own interest to be concerned about someone else or something else. 
It means to abort your mission and worry about somebody else's. So you only way you know if you deny yourself is if you forget about what you want and focus on what somebody else wants. Jesus said, if you're going to be great in this kingdom, in this church, in this body, it's going to be because you serve everybody. He said, let the great, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Them who humble themselves as a child. He said, who is going to be the greatest amongst you? The one who serves everybody. The one who put their needs last and puts everybody else's first. And you don't see the spiritual blessing behind that because you might be in the flesh. But the spiritual blessing behind it is if you do that, he'll take care of all your stuff. But you got to trust him. That's where trust comes in. That's where trust comes in. Self-denial is selflessness. Anti-denying or refusal to deny yourself is selfish. It means to be selfish. Selfish, meaning I'm just concerned about me. Forget what's going on with divine generation. Forget what's going on with the kingdom of God. Forget what's going on with the brothers and sisters. Only thing I'm focusing on is me. I had a situation where I was, I was uh, in a, I was having a conversation. It was me and a couple of brothers. Some of the people were here. This was a long time ago. And um, uh, we were in the presence of this guy, and he was saying that he, you know, he had affinity for this, this woman. And, and so he goes in front of younger believers and kisses her. They're not married. <laughs> They're not married. And he kisses her. And I began to tell him, you shouldn't do that because younger believers are watching you. It ain't a sin, ain't nothing wrong. That ain't the point. See, a lot of times you ever heard somebody say, I'm grown, I do what I want to do. Y'all heard that before? I'm grown, I do what I want to do. I'm going to tell you what grown means. Grown means I'm mature, so when I make a decision, I'm worried about everybody under me. That's what grown means. Grown means when I make a decision, my decision is, is only made based on the fact that there's younger people watching me. There's less mature people watching me. So my life has to, be, has to uphold such a standard that I don't confuse them, that my light shows. Grown don't mean I go where I want to go, do what I want to do, say what I want to say. No, that ain't what grown means. That's, that's immaturity. That's selfishness. If you're a parent, you know how to deny yourself. <laughs> you ain't got a choice but to deny yourself. That's why you have to understand the authority that you have being a child of God is that the father denied himself. He denied himself. Is God sovereign? Yes. He can do whatever he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. But the fact that he has kids, he had to bring forth grace. The fact that he brought forth grace was him saying, I'm not going to do what I want to do when I want to do. I'm going to bring myself to your level to fellowship with you. You know he could have been took us out. He should have been took us out. Oh, come on. We did some stuff that we, we don't deserve to be sitting here right now. We should be locked up. We should be shot up. We should be sick. We should be disease bound. We did so many things that if you look back, you're like, oh, God. You ever look back at some stuff you said or did and you was like, I'm so stupid. You ever look back and say, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have. He was protecting you. You asked him for something. It didn't come. You were upset. You were mad. But then, years later, you're like, I'm glad he didn't give me that. So parents, we know as a spouse, you know. If you don't know, I'm about to tell you. 
What makes a marriage strong is if we outbless one another. That's what makes a marriage strong. That we outbless one another. My goal is to bless you and keep a smile on your face. If your goal is to bless me and keep a smile on my face, it'll work. But when it don't work is when my goal is to keep a smile on your face and your goal is to keep a smile on your face. <laughs> you double blessed. But I'm suffering. <laughs> and sometimes you run into situations like that, especially as a husband, even as a parent, where the kids don't appreciate nothing you do, but you got to keep doing it. <laughs> you can't stop. As a husband, I'm the head, yes, but sometimes that means you're the foundation. So they're going to walk on you until they, until they get it. The instructions in scripture to the father, even to his daughters, was even if your husband ain't acting right, you maintain my character so that you represent my name. It ain't going to never be about you. You ain't going to never have no reason, no excuse to be sitting up there mad upset. That's a proof. That's why the Bible tells us no wrath, no anger, no malice, no deceit. All those things come from selfishness. It comes because I'm not getting what I want. Your lip hanging out, you pouting. Because <laughs> things ain't going your way. I do it. Whatever. I mean, that's a part of growing up. It's a part of growing up. It happens in stages. Like I told you last, uh, last week, the Bible said you're afflicted, but you're not crushed. And as a leader, I have to tell you, that affliction ain't going to crush you. You'll be okay. And I got to keep doing what I'm doing. I can't run to every affliction. Satan going to have me busy. And then I'm going to be afflicted. <laughs> but the way you measure your growth is from the time you're afflicted, to the time you recognize and realize, I'm not crushed. That's how you know your growth. I remember someone told me, Q, that, that they would make a mistake and stay stuck for six months. One mistake. But watch this, when they do good, they don't even get the joy from that. We have to deny ourselves. One of the best ways I can, or examples I can give you for denying yourself is, is soldiers. Soldiers. They enlist to become soldiers. When a soldier enlists, they leave civilian life. They're no longer a civilian. And because they're no longer a, a, a civilian, the, let me get this right, the, the, the level of dedication and accommodations match itself. That's why the scripture says, who enlists as a soldier and provides for themselves? What is the father telling us? He's not telling us that we're soldiers. He's telling us to think of this lifestyle in that way. That if you enlist in this lifestyle and you follow me, I'll take care of the provision. I'll provide for you. I can handle all of the money stuff. I can open the doors for you, but what I can't do is make you deny yourself. The Bible says, humble yourself, and I will exalt you. Humble yourself, and I will make you great. Humble yourself, and I will give you a greater grace. He's telling you what he can do if you do this. He's telling you what he will do if you do this. If you humble yourself, he said, I'll exalt you. That's nothing. I specialize in that. All you got to do is look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All you got to do is look at Solomon. Solomon had a queen travel all the way from Egypt to see what God had done in his life, to hear of the wisdom that God had spoke through this man. He, I, can get, I can put your name in lights. That's nothing. I need a humble vessel. I need an empty vessel, and that's what soldiers represent. So do you know soldiers enlist to train to protect people who don't even care nothing about them? They, but watch this. You can't just become a soldier. Before you become a soldier, you have to train to become a soldier. So basic training is you enlisting yourself to, to go through all these rigorous things just so they can tell you you can be a soldier. I'm going somewhere with this. 
Then after you graduate from basic training and you get into the military, your daily job is training for a war you might not see. I was telling my son that, with, uh, uh, and I was showing them videos of when we was in the military, even from basic training to when we got into full-time military, they would make us go through the gas chambers. And so they would put us in the gas chambers, and they would ignite the gas, and then they would say, take off your mask. We training. This is training. Take off your mask. Say this, say this, say that. All this time, you're breathing in this gas. You got to get used to this. Why? Because when you go to war, this might happen to you. Sometimes the stuff you're going through right now is because down the line, when it happened again, you can shake it off. It was time they would make us lay in the prone position, pointing our gun for hours. Ain't no enemy coming. We practicing. <laughs> Ain't no enemy coming. You can't move from there. Six, eight-hour shifts, you can't move from there. If you got to use the bathroom, you got to shovel. You dig, use the bathroom, and cover it back up and get back in your position. When I was in Nigeria, we, they, they, this uh, guy Jerry was telling us how they built the colleges. Two months, these buildings were like, at least 16 stories. He said it took him two months to build it. I'm like, how you do that? He said, we work day and night. I said, when did you go home? He said, I didn't. He said, when the kingdom business calls, you don't leave. I said, well, how your wife and kids see you? They came to see me. Do I have a volunteer? Two months. <laughs> do I have a volunteer? Two months. You can't go nowhere for the kingdom assignment, and you're going to stay there till it's complete. Can you deny yourself? Or oh, you got to get home to your wife. She going to get me. She going to know when the kingdom calls. The Bible said when he told Peter and them to follow him, they dropped everything. They left their business, they left their spouses, and they went with him. One scribe came to Jesus and said, we want to follow you. He said, well, look, foxes have no hole. Foxes have a hole. Birds have a nest. But the son of man, he ain't got nowhere to stay. And the first thing he said, he said, my father just passed. Can I bury him? No. Let the dead bury the dead. Another came to him. And this is, this is what, like, just, I'm like, this is overboard, Jesus. First, the first one was overboard. I thought first, let them go to the funeral and just, they follow you after that. Right? Don't that make sense? That seemed like he needs some sensitivity training. But the second one that really got me was he said, can I just go home and tell my people I ain't coming back? No. Once you put your hand to the kingdom and you look back, you ain't worthy. Trust me. <laughs> Trust in me. This bigger than groceries and phone bills. It's bigger than houses and cars. This is a whole destiny. I'm, look, this word ain't being preached to you for no reason. You're going to feel it. It's coming. You praying against the kingdom? No, I'm just messing with you. I'm joking with you. Kirby got to be gone for six months. No curb bear. That's our little joke. You don't know. You, you don't know. Am I right? You have no idea what the Father's going to call you to do. And when, me and we, in 2010, I was sitting on the couch. I remember like it was yesterday. I stood up, and he said, move to Atlanta. I sat back down. Because <laughs> the thing is, I'd never been to Atlanta. never been to Atlanta. Moved to Atlanta. I'm in Louisiana. Moved to Atlanta. I go tell my wife. She gonna kill me if I tell y'all this. Oh well. Y'all can bring me back to life. She like, no we not. 
You got to deny yourself. He said do this because the thing about this is this. When he tell tell you to do something and you don't do it, the repercussions behind it is misery. When you go do something and he didn't tell you to do it, the repercussions behind it is misery because he moves his hand and he lets you go through what you need to go through because you got to see, you got to learn, you got to grow in the area of if he didn't say do it, don't do it. And I learned, I took my, I took my lumps. I took them. He didn't tell me to do it. I did it. I did. He didn't tell me to do it. I did it anyway. I felt the pain of it. I remember the first time, uh, I mean, when I got, I got married, he didn't tell me to marry the woman. He did not tell me to. I did it. And it withheld me from ministry for the next five years. Going through divorce. Doing something he didn't tell me to do. Moving into cities. I told somebody yesterday, the best thing, the, the number one thing, the, the number one thing, who you marry, who, you, who is your God, who you marry, and where you live are the three most important things in your life. Especially if you're in ministry, but period. Who's your God, who you marry, and where you live? If you miss any one of those, you're going to be miserable. Now, the thing about this teaching is that if you don't deny yourself, you can't take up your cross. Now, what I just talked talk to y'all about, y'all about was just denial. This is, we just talked about denying yourself. We ain't talking about taking up your cross. We're not talking about taking up your cross. Now, to take up your cross daily means to pick it up, it means to carry it, and to bear the pain of it. It don't mean to pick it up, it hurt, put it down. (laughs) Pick it up, take two steps, it hurt, put it down. The cross deals with the carrying of burdens and expectation of death. This is why Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, I don't want this cup. But the thing about it is you don't reach the Garden of Gethsemane unless you deny yourself. He spent a whole lifetime of denying himself doing the Father's will. So when it got time to the, the Garden of Gethsemane, it was that simple. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. I'm going to pray about this thing. The Bible said he would pray three times. He prayed so hard, the Bible said he started sweating blood, drops of blood. At the end of it, he said, nevertheless, let your will be done. What is that? That's a person who has denied themselves. But if you have not, that's why I tell y'all to practice righteousness. Because if you're not practicing righteousness at a high level, when the assignment come up and you in your garden of Gethsemane, it's going to be your will. It's going to be your will. And it's going to be the opportunity that you're looking for, the thing that you need. It's going to be the next level, but it's going to come with a sure death. And if you have not been denying yourself, if you, don't, if you have not had a prayer life, if you have not been given, if you have not been fasting, if you have not spent time in your word, if you have not built your, been built and raised through community, it's going to be hard to lose your will because all five of those things is where you lose your will in. You got to lose your will to pray daily. He said pick up your cross daily. You got to lose your will to pray, to fast to get in that word and study it because it's spiritual stuff. And we talked about, okay, we, we, we understand that the, the, um, it's not hard for us to focus on the temporary, the stuff that we see. The stuff that is hard for us to focus and trust on is the father said, do this, but, and although I'm doing it, I won't, I won't physically see it after it's done. It's hard to go to work for somebody, and after six months, you still ain't got a paycheck. You did it for the paycheck.
When we pray in tongues for hours and hours and hours, we're building something in the spirit. But if you, you have to have a faith in that. I was reading a book yesterday, or they, maybe they yesterday, for yesterday, it don't matter. The, in the book, the guy said he prayed in tongues for 48 hours. Is that overkill? No, it's not overkill. But you got to have a faith that this works. You have to have a faith that that works, right? 48 hours? Four hours. We did four hours yesterday. You have to have a faith that that works in order for you to do it. Now, we're binge on some Netflix. Okay, I'm in your business. I'm sorry. Because I want y'all to get to the point where y'all looking and you're looking at your life and you're sitting there and you're watching 10 episodes of Netflix and I want you to ask yourself, can I pray that long? Can I pray that long? I had somebody tell me I preach too long. Well, all the movies you watch? Are you serious? Are you serious? You would, you would watch a two-hour movie, three hours movie, then watch another movie, okay, then binge on something, and then you will come in here and say somebody preached too long? Hmm. Take up your cross. Now, the cross is seen in the natural as a criminal's fate. But in the spirit, it is seen as growth. Okay, we got some more messages. We're going to talk about this because the Bible talks about suffering as a wrongdoer. Okay, you can suffer doing the will of God, the will of the Father, or you can suffer as a wrongdoer, an evildoer. But the cross, the thing that is seen as a criminal faith is what is used to free others. The Bible tells us that we are to take on the burdens of our brothers. We don't just handle our burdens. We need to take on the burdens of our brothers. Meaning it's a time and place where we forget about us and we think about others. Abraham had to do it. If it's not for Abraham, then Isaac, Jacob, where are they at? Every cross you pick up, and take on you and carry with the intentions to die, it is to birth the next generation. But you don't see that. Moses took on a cross to lead the children of Israel. They made his people, they made his cousin, they his family or nothing. <laughs> it's an assignment from God to free a group of people who really don't want to be free. Elijah had to bear a cross. David had to bear a cross. You anointed the king of Israel. And as soon as you get anointed the king of Israel, the king of Israel, the, the king of Israel sitting in office tries to kill you, and God tells you you can't touch him. But you got the skill set. You good with your hands, you good with spears, you good with bows, and this guy is coming at you and trying to kill you. And, and, and God tells you, don't touch my anointed. But you just anointed me. But he's sitting in the seat. Even though he's doing the wrong thing, still don't touch him. And we don't talk about Job. Lost everything one day. And it wasn't like he did something wrong. This was purely to vindicate the father. This was because, Kirby, a conversation that Satan and God had. <laughs> he allowed him to suffer to vindicate him, to show Satan that there is some who will serve me. Why are you suffering? You don't know. It don't really matter. Just know at the end of suffering is what? Reigning. It's rulership. This is how you develop the kingdom mindset. This is how you develop the mind of Christ. By going through stuff and staying the same. By going through stuff and forget the noise, what does the word say? 
Forget how you feel. What does the word say? I'm telling you how to deny yourself. Forget what people talking about. What did he tell you to do? It was hard for me to start this ministry because I couldn't find no one who was preaching and teaching this, the way that I do it, the way that he was showing me. So it was hard. I was scouring the internet. Okay, who is teaching about the Father? Okay, you mean to tell me nobody out here teaching that God is our Father? No one's breaking the scriptures down? Like, I'm looking for a mentor. Can't find one. I called you. You go do it. But, 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 shut up. <laughs> And go do what I told you to do. And as you do it, I'll add to you. He ain't going to show you everything before you go. He ain't going to lay it out for you. He's not going to tell you, when you go here, you're going to get this and you're going to get, no, it's going to be as you go. The cross exemplifies willingness to die daily. It is a crossover from weak flesh to a willing spirit. When it comes on denying yourself and taking up your cross, the thing that makes you want to put the cross down is the flesh. The Bible says that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. The spirit wants to carry the cross. The spirit wants the destiny. The spirit wants purpose. The spirit wants to do whatever the father tells it to do, but the flesh does not. And so this is a daily thing that we're all going to go through if you're going to get your destiny. Because your destiny is too wonderful for you to just walk in it carnal. He wants to make sure that he has your mind, your heart, and your soul. That's why he said this is the first commandment. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. What is he trying to tell you? Look, give me that so I can give you the life I have for you. Let's keep going. Now, the cross. The cross purchased our sins. The cross is the thing that put Christ at the right hand of the Father, a place of honor. The Bible says that that it was a certificate of debt and peace that was nailed to the cross. The Bible tells us that it is his predetermined plan and his foreknowledge to acquire us through the cross. The Bible tells us that there are enemies of the cross. Now, this is how you know if you are an enemy of the cross. It says that their God is their appetite. It says that their end is destruction. It says that their glory is in their shame and that their minds stay focused on earthly things. The cross is our best friend, but we can become an enemy of it if we don't see the spiritual side of it. If you only see the physical pain of it, if you only see what people are doing to you, you miss the cross. You miss the purpose of it. People are getting on your nerves for a reason. Because where he's about to place you is going to be over people. So if one person getting on your nerves, you can't handle a company of people. (laughs) Endure it. It's okay. Let them talk about you. Let them say what they got to say, and you keep focused. They talked about Jesus. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to surely persecute you. If they deny me, they're surely going to deny you. But the issue, can, it might be, I could be wrong, y'all tell me, it could be that we're not in our word enough. So we're not seeing what the scriptures say, and therefore, or what we're not doing is we see it say that, but we don't think that we got to go through that. But Jesus said, if anyone will follow me, if anyone wants to follow me, it's an invitation. If you want to follow me, if you want to do what I do, if you want to have a relationship with the Father, if you want to have a glorious life, if you want the Word to become flesh, if you want to be full of grace and truth, full of the Spirit, walking, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to have to deny yourself. First thing you're going to have to do, deny yourself. Then he says you have to take up the cross. Now, if you don't deny yourself, If you don't deny yourself, if you won't deny yourself, the thing that you're denying is suffering. 
And because you did not suffering, you would not pick up your cross daily. Uh-oh, here we go. Which disqualifies you to follow. I know we thought when we said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, that was it. We was good. I got baptized, we, that was good. No. If, if you haven't denied yourself and you haven't taken up your cross, you're not following him. We still good? All right, just making sure. Making sure. You're not following him. I, I got to stop telling people just because you say that, they're all of a sudden now. No, this is a lifestyle. If you gave your son to give a people a life, you want to see them participate in it. If I, if I give my money, I won't. Come on now. You got mad because your fries was cold. <laughs> you get mad when you go to a restaurant and the service ain't good. But then, you won't even pray. <laughs> the audacity of you to want somebody to serve you, to give you what, what's due to you, to give you what you pay for, but then, when it comes to the Father, you just want to do what you want to do, when you want to do it. You want to do it how you want to do it, and you want to, and you want to say it's in his name. This is a life. This is a lifestyle. Every day you show. He said, take up your cross daily. Every day you're a child of God. Your kids don't get up in the morning, I ain't going to be a kid today. Today I'm going to do my own thing. How, you, how would that feel? How would that look to a parent? You got to see it through his eyes. If, and the, and the thing about it is this, one of the definitions of follow me is to become a disciple. So until you pick up your, until you deny yourself and pick up your cross, you can't even come in the classroom. You can't even come in the classroom. To follow means to join as a disciple. It means to accompany. It means to side with this party. So once you come on this side, you can't side with the world. I'm sorry. You can't side with politics. Once you come on this side, it's what his word says. It ain't what the world says. Forget who the president, forget who the king, forget who the mayor. Forget who's, who's, who's the richest. None of this stuff matters. To follow him means that you have to side with his party. You become a disciple and you accompany him. In, four, in Luke 14 and 27, he literally said it. It ain't up here. You can write it down. He literally said it. If you don't follow me, you can't become my disciple. Is in there? So follow me only if you want to lose your life because that's the purpose of the cross, is death. And the thing about it is, watch this, it's an undeserved death. You didn't do nothing for people to crucify you and persecute you the way they're doing it. But Jesus didn't either. That's why the Bible says, can't you take wrong? Just take wrong. They lied on you, be quiet. The Bible said that he was as a lamb. He was led to the slaughter as a lamb, and a, no, not a word came out of his mouth. He didn't say nothing. Let him lie on you. Let him do all. You don't have to defend yourself. Take the cross. Verse 24 says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. That's plain, right? Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. So, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. 
Now, that word saved means to be restored to health, but it means to be restored to your original life, the one that he promised you before the foundation of the world. You trying to keep your life, and he has a life for you. I'm about to close. Because I think y'all got it, right? Follow me. He told Peter. He seen Peter fishing. He said, follow me. And I will make you. Forget the fishermen of men. I will make you. Whatever it is, <laughs> I will make you. This is the, the Peter conundrum. He said, follow me. Peter dropped everything. Didn't he? He dropped everything to follow Jesus. Peter's problem wasn't following. It wasn't even denying himself. It was the cross. Peter couldn't stand that cross. He couldn't do it. Luke 22 and 31. He took Peter everywhere he went. Peter cut off ears. <laughs> Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now you get that from Jesus. Jesus come to you and tell you, Terry, Terry. Uh-oh, she looked at me like, don't say my name. Okay, I'm sorry. Who want me to use their name? Who can I use this? Ola, Ola. <laughs> Satan has asked to sift you like, well, you know what that means? Satan asks permission if I can rumble through your life and see what you're really made of. <laughs> Same thing he asked Job, right? Same conversation. He says, Satan asks, can I sift you like wheat? When you sift something, the stuff that ain't worth nothing falls out, and we just attack the meat part of it. You have wheat, you have chaff. When you sift wheat, the chaff goes away, and you just got the wheat left. He said, I want to sift him like wheat. I want to find out what are you made of. Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have been turned back or converted, Strengthen your brothers. Now, that ain't what you want to hear. He says, Satan came to him and asked him, can I, I want to sift him like wheat. He said, I'm praying that your faith won't fail you. Won't you pray that he won't sift me? Why are you not praying that he won't sift me like wheat? Because the sifting is necessary. He said, the sifting going to happen. I'm praying that your faith don't fail you. I'm praying that when you're converted, you're going to strengthen the brothers because you're about to go through some stuff. Because it's necessary. He said, Simon, Simon. Now, what's crazy is he went back to his government name. He called him Peter. He named him Peter. Little Rock. But this conversation, he had to go back to Simon. And I think it has something with the Simon connection. Because while Jesus was carrying his cross and Peter was denying him, Simon kept, came and helped him. It was a different Simon. But while one Simon was denying him, another Simon was helping him carry his cross. He said, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked, can I sift him? That should have been the, next, that should have been the name of the message. Can I sift him? He said, Peter, when you are converted, you're going to strengthen your brothers. You're going to strengthen the family. After this sifting process, you're going to be stronger. But he was letting them know you haven't been converted yet. Because this is the thing. And even as being a spiritual leader, okay, 
I'm an overseer. It don't matter what y'all tell me, I can see. I know y'all won't tell me, I'm good, you know, I'm going there. No, no, look, I'm listening, but I can see. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, okay. I hear you, <laughs> but I can see. This is what I'm going, no, that ain't what it is. That's what you think it is, okay? I can see. That's the call. I ain't better than you. I ain't smarter than you. Not more intelligent. It's a call to oversee. So I see, just like Jesus seen. Because another reason he didn't pray against the sifting was because it was necessary that Peter could see himself. Peter didn't know himself. In verse, 20, in verse 33, Peter said, Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. <laughs> he said, I'm ready to go to prison with you and I'm ready to die with you. Whatever. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter. He had to come back to Little Rock. The rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you even know me. Peter is saying, I'm going to go to jail with you and die with you. Jesus is telling him, you ain't even ready for the cross. Not only are you not ready for the cross, you're not ready to see me on the cross. Because that was Peter's issue. Peter thought he had it together. He thought he was stronger than what he was. But we all do that. And it's situational. It's situational. We all think we're stronger than what we are. But it's always based on the situation. It's based on what you're going through. Peter was good as long as Jesus was casting out devils. I'm with you. <laughs> he was raising the dead. He was feeding the multitude. That's the one Peter committed to. He wasn't ready for the Jesus with the cross. It ain't fighting back. He wasn't ready for that. And that's how we make decisions. We make decisions based on how we feel now. One time I told a group of people, I was like, I don't care. I'm faithful to my wife. Okay? You can put... I don't care what woman you put, you put me in a hotel with them butt naked, ain't nothing moving, I ain't doing nothing. And the father said, what if you find out she cheated on you? What if she's not giving you sex? I was saying it based on the fact that we good. <laughs> oh, in those rooms and the things that you're going to go through right now, if you good, it sounds good. Oh, I can pray. I'm going to pray 10 hours until you get a call and somebody make you mad. I'm going to fast for 40 days. So somebody brought you to a banquet. <laughs> it's easy for us to make assessments of who we are when everything going so good, I'm going to pray, okay, but now you ain't got rent money. <laughs> it was a reason why. It's a reason why it's hard to follow. Peter wasn't ready to take up his cross. He didn't understand the necessity of suffering. He didn't understand that you needed to be rejected so you can understand what it means to be accepted. Did I get you? Did I get y'all? Everybody who rejected you, it was good so you would know what real acceptance looked like. All the mother churches, forget about them. All the people who rejected you, forget about them. You needed to be rejected because that wasn't your lane. That wasn't the direction you were supposed to go. The rejection was necessary. You need to understand that, look, this ain't what he told me to do, so suffering ain't nothing wrong with that. You need to understand, this is where I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Peter didn't understand that you have to be rejected. Okay? Death is necessary for you to get true life. You got to die to one life to get the other. You're not going to bypass that. I hate to tell y'all. You're going to lose this life to get the next one. 
There's going to be some submission. You're going to abort your mission if you're going to see what the Father wants you to have. Resurrection is necessary because if you don't be rejected, if you don't die, and you don't be resurrected to your new life, you can't give life. Neither can you have life. That's why Paul told them, he said, death works in us, but life works in you. Okay, I'm teaching to y'all as a dead man. I'm teaching y'all as somebody who has lost his life to get this. So, will you allow suffering? That's a question. You ain't got an answer to me, but will you allow suffering? Will you allow it? And then again, how do we look? How do we look like as followers who have picked up our cross, denied ourselves? How do we look? Who wants to do the death walk? Let me tell you something about the cross. The thing about the cross is going to kill you. All right, but this is the bigger thing, and y'all might not want to come back next week. I'm cool. The cross is meant for you to die on, amen? But people got to kill you. Jesus didn't put himself on the cross, although he carried it. And we want to think like this, like we're going to be the one to put the nails in our hands and feet. No, it's going to be people. Because you can put the nails in your feet, you can put the nails in your hand, but you still got a hammer. And you got a free hand. Who going to nail the last hand? People going to nail you to the cross. People nailed Jesus to the cross. It was his people, the Jews. <laughs> the king of Jews got nailed to the cross by the Jews. And the cross is necessary because when Jesus got off the cross, he had wounds to show. He had wounds to show. He was able to show his hands. He was able to show his feet. He was able to show his side. And then when they pierced his side, water and blood came out, which represents spirit and life, which is the word. So he on the cross. And when they pierced his side, blood and water came out, and he died. Who ready to die? And we're going to see. Y'all, you raise your hand all you want to, but that cross is heavy. And you don't see it coming. You don't see it coming. Death on the cross happens by people. You cannot kill yourself. Suffering is necessary for us to reign. Amen? Amen. Let us pray.